Today's episode of Your Stories is brought to you by Iron Galaxy. Scream like a school kid with Capsule Force, an intergalactic retro anime multiplayer game now available on PS4 and Steam. For more information, go to CapsuleForce.com. Thanks, Iron Galaxy. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not, not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hey everybody, I'm Eric Arnault, and this is the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories. We've got a pretty cool episode today. Uh, this was recorded live at the Lake Effect Chicago 2016 Summit and Expo, a really great event in our home city that we previewed on last week's episode, if you happen to hear that. Uh, we were pretty honored to be given a spot on the podcast stage for this event, and it was really wonderful recording in the lovely Chicago Cultural Center. Uh, we have six great storytellers on today's show. Uh, those are Mary Beth Smith, Patrick O'Rourke, James D'Amato, Anna Marsh, Claire Friedman, and Henry Birdseye. And you'll also get some music from myself, Claire, and Jim Snedeker. Uh, just a heads up, there's a little bit more echo and room noise in this episode than usual. As it turns out, giant concrete buildings from 1892 aren't really set up for podcast recording. But we had a great time, and I think it sounds pretty good. Definitely better than our C2E2 episode from a couple years ago, if you heard that. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this one. Uh, before we get to the show, I have to move on to some plugs. Uh, first, I'd really like to, again, thank our sponsors for the week, Iron Galaxy Games, and the whole Chicago Podcast Co-op, which makes it a lot easier for shows like ours to exist. Uh, something else that helps the show exist are the generous donations of our Patreon supporters. Uh, we launched a Patreon page a month ago and have some pretty cool rewards available for donors. So if you want to support the Nerdalogs, you can check that out. That is patreon.com slash nerdalogs. Uh, now, part of our Patreon page involves exclusives related to our game development. Of course, you guys know that we also make games. Uh, last year, we made one called Fisticuffs, and one group that has been super supportive of that game is a group called Gamebox Monthly. Uh, what is Gamebox Monthly? Well, everybody loves tabletop and board games, right? But there are so many awesome games out there, how can anybody possibly find the best ones to bring to their table? Well, Gamebox Monthly can help you out. Gamebox finds the best games, including the undiscovered gems, off the beaten path, and brings them direct to your door every month. Games are new and yours to keep, and with something new always in hand, you'll be the hero 
of your next game night, just like Enrique Iglesias always saying about. Uh, Gamebox Monthly is the only service that guarantees you won't get a game you already have and caters your subscription to your preferences. Signing up is easy. Just choose a subscription link, tell us what games you already have, and then tell us what sort of games you want to get. It is as simple as that. So whether you're just getting into the hobby or you've been adding to your collection for years, Gamebox will send you something we know you'll love. Yes, you. Now, last time I read this ad, I called out Ben, and this hit a person named Ben on Twitter very hard. So, Ben, thank you. Uh, now I am calling out Sarah. Yes, you, Sarah, specifically you. I know you're out there. You want Gamebox Monthly. Go to GameboxMonthly.com right now and enter the promo code NERD10 for 10% off your initial subscription. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at GameboxMonthly.com. Uh, one last thing. The Nerdalogs produced musical Attend the Tale of Danny Tanner has two weeks left in its run at the Playground Theater, Saturday nights at 10.30 in May. Uh, if you like Full House but wish it were a little more like Sweeney Todd, this show is for you. We had a literal Full House in the audience last week, so if you're interested, I would get tickets soon. Uh, like the nostalgia wave that gave us Fuller House, this show will not be around forever. Alright, man, that was a lot of plugs. Thanks for bearing with me. Now let's get to the fun part. We picked the theme because it is also the theme of the, uh, the conference I'm in. And when we, so we played the kickoff conference uh, to this festival here a few weeks ago. And I kept doing this amazing bit that Claire is still not convinced of, where I would say, okay, so for this next song, we're going to be the character of a hand. And the hand is in. So now you finish the sentence. A pocket. A pocket. <laughs> it's a great bit. It's 10 a.m. I'm broke, but I'm happy. I'm poor, but I'm kind. I'm short, but I'm healthy. Yeah. I'm high, but I'm grounded. I'm sane, but I'm overwhelmed. I'm lost, but I'm hopeful.
but I'm focused. I'm green, but I'm wise. I'm hard, but I'm friendly, baby. I'm sad, but I'm laughing. I'm brave, but I'm chicken shit. I'm sick, but I'm pretty. Impressions I can do, along with the fairy Navi from Zelda. Wherever. <laughs> What's the third? Joanna Newsom. <laughs> oh yeah, we did one of her songs too. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll spare you the bit introduction of this song. I know how much you all loved it, but sometimes you know if you love something, you, you gotta just... set it free. <laughs> but uh, this is a. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I have no idea what any of that means. I'm just gonna pretend like it didn't happen. I will say, if you're trying to, like, seduce somebody, uh, you should just, like, grab a gym and hold him above your head while he plays his song. Okay. Yeah. Charged, if you could lift him, like...
discussion about whether we should end that song with the wailing that happens there? And I figured it'd be culturally insensitive. <laughs> yeah, we are in the cultural center. All right, guys, so we have six wonderful storytellers here. Storytellers, feel free to use this microphone or not. It's up to you how much you want to project. I wonder if this gets bigger. Hey, it does. Coming first to the stage, so I lied a little at the top when I said this, this night is, is just about the, our audience members. We also have people from the Nerdalogs come and talk. And the first one of those tonight is Mary Beth Smith. <laughs> this is the first of two shows I'm doing with Mary Beth today, P.S. Yeah, we, we're doing the 10 to midnight schedule. Yeah, we get paid zero. <laughs> uh, that's why we do it, the big bucks. Oh, no. Uh, I'm not into big movies. Uh, I'm very, very into movies in that obnoxious way where I forget that everyone isn't into movies the same way that I am. Uh, but I'm not into big ones, uh, like the epic ones, uh, Titanic, Gladiator, Hell, Lord of the Rings. The scope is just too big. I watched the whole first season of Game of Thrones, and I was like, I waited so long just for that guy to get his head cut off. I'm out! Uh, I want a movie with a small, marginally realistic, but whimsical story to tell. Give me the Irish indie darling once. Will Ferrell's not for everyone stranger than fiction. And uh, Waitress, this underrated gem starring Carrie Russell and Nathan Fillion, thank you, uh, that followed once his footsteps to Broadway. And boy, am I a sucker for a good love story. In fact, I thought about telling a story about how I'm in love today, and I was like, woof, save it. <laughs> I'm not into, like, chick-flicky, Notting Hill love stories, but, like, Juno, that's a love story. Sure, it's a horror story of being impregnated the first time you had sex with the lovable idiot you've known for years, but Polly and Juno, that's love. The right person thinks the sun shines out of your ass and all that. That's great. My sense of escapism often stops at stories I can imagine in my own life, small scale. It's a reason representation has become something I want to fight for as a creative person. I'm inspired by that which I know to be true in my life's experience, my own small story. Now, Marvel movies, that's a different beast. The biggest movies, save perhaps only Star Wars, have loads of crime fighters and explosions and can be very fun. But my small emotional engagement in those bad boys is probably what I'm going to enjoy the most. I loved Mark Ruffalo as the soft, sensitive Bruce Banner. I enjoyed Robert Downey Jr. interacting with a certain young web slinger in Captain America Civil War. And basically everything in X-Men First Class was dope. <laughs> uh, Uncle Ben's death is probably going to make me cry every time they remake that godforsaken story. Hell... I even love the parts of Amazing Spider-Man 2 that are just Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone being all cute as Pete and Gwen. Mark Webb may have been, a ter may have been terrible at making any of the villain stuff in that movie interesting, but the director of 500 Days of Summer is going to know how to tell a love story. It's weird how many of those are Spider-Man moments looking back at that list. I, I guess even among the superheroes, I'm still drawn to one of the most human and accidental uh, sidebar, my significant other, <laughs> the people laughing uh, have heard Mike Gifford tell a story before, and I'm okay with that. 
Sidebar, my significant other of the aforementioned ignored story topic about how I'm in love once kissed me upside down over the side of our couch, Spider-Man style, and whispered, I'm a terrible actor. (laughs) Not being confident which of the two leads in Sam Raimi's original Spider-Man trilogy he could have been referring to, I simply whispered back, me too. (laughs) Now we do it all the time because we are in love and that is hilarious. (laughs) End of sidebar. So how do I be the change I want to see in the world? As a creative, I don't necessarily not want to see those big stories being told. The more the merrier. Heck, Ryan Johnson got to tell Small, Brick, Brothers Bloom, and Looper before he took the reins of episode 8, and I bet he'll be back to tell a smaller-scale story at some point. But me, how do I tell my small story? A few months ago, I pitched a small, semi-personal show to a theater in town without knowing when or if it would get picked up, let alone how I, could, how I would pull it off if it did. It had been a goal for a while, though, to put up a small, heartfelt story of my own, and put my money where my mouth was. When the show got accepted, I was immediately doubtful that I could pull it off. (laughs) I wasn't sure I'd be able to dedicate time I wanted to it, let alone ask anyone else to dedicate theirs. A big roadblock was that I was scheduled to be out of town both weekends before the show was supposed to open, the second of which being a family gathering. As I was beginning to write the email to the theater, regretfully declining the offer due to scheduling conflicts, I casually mentioned to my significant other that I had gotten the show slot but was turning it down. He was shocked. He knew how much it had meant to me to try to tell that story in that space. No, he said, and this is almost verbatim. Fuck that. Do the show. Change your plans. Your family won't understand. Tell them now. We'll fly them out to see it. The show is something you want to do. Don't give yourself an excuse because you conveniently have one. Don't talk yourself out of the show because you're scared about doing it perfectly. It might not be good. That's okay. You'll be better for having done it. Take the opportunity and do your best. You may not get it again. Tears had begun pouring from my face, and I had had no idea that that was exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. And I truly don't think I would have made that decision had he not said all that. I'm in, I replied to the theater after profusely thanking the man I'm in love with. Ah, shit. It was a love story all along. It was a love story all along. Thanks. Mary Beth Smith! Hey, Mary Beth brings up a great point, which is, uh, so Lake Effects is a, is a conference meant for people who are doing creative stuff in Chicago. So everyone that I've invited here today is up to some creative endeavor or another. Mary Beth, in addition to being part of the Nerdalogs and apparently producing her own show, which is incredible, uh, hosts a podcast called MBSing with Mary Beth Smith that is really, really great. Uh, the next gentleman coming to the stage has like a whole network of podcasts. He is a great dude, longtime supporter of our show, and we love what he does very much. This is Patrick O'Rourke! You're welcome. Thanks so much. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, my favorite X-Men movie is X-Men 3. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. I'm the only one in the world uh, who likes that movie. Yes. Yes, that guy is awesome. <laughs> I want the audience to hate me right away. All right. So, thanks. I just thought, anyway, I don't want to get into it. I got a whole different story planned. Uh, So, no matter how high the cliff gets, no matter how long it took me to get there, no matter how breathtaking the sky looks, 
I don't want to stand and enjoy the view. I want to drive right off the edge and careen into a valley. I get into stuff. I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I like uncertainty. Throughout my life, different things have grabbed onto me, and I put it all on the line for them. For better or worse, it's who I am, and it has led to many positive things. But it is a path that is wrought with failure and hard-learned lessons. For example, when I was in my early 20s, I played with leveraged ETFs, so much that they almost ruined my life. For those of you not in the know, a leveraged ETF is a stock trading utility whose price is designed to move in multiples of two, three, or more times the price movement of its target index. The target index may be broad-based like the S&P 500, the Dow, or the NASDAQ, or it could be a basket chosen to follow a specific area of the economy, such as the tech sector. You all totally get what I'm talking about, right? Uh, so let's say uh, an index or basket of stocks moves 3%, like it grows by 3%. You purchase a leveraged ETF on that basket, let's say it's two times leveraged, you would get a return of 6%, right? So uh, it's quite a complicated instrument, but I'll leave it there for the sake of time. Uh, basically, it's a great way to make the market work a little harder for you, and an even better way to lose a bunch of money really quickly. <laughs> the thing is, once you start trading these things, the regular market can't cut it anymore. There's no excitement, no stakes, no crying at night wondering how you're going to pay rent. There's simply not enough risk. When trading, risk tolerance is the number one thing advisors talk about. How willing are you to allow your assets to drop to zero? For most people, they don't want this to happen. And in order to avoid that, they invest in reasonable, slow-growing, very boring things like IRAs and 401ks. But for me, I'm confident. I'm self-assured. I'm a delusional old millennial. I'm like Goku as he prepared for his battle with Cell. Given enough time and training, I know I can emerge victorious and prevent global disaster. For those of you not in the know, during the Cell saga of the animated series Dragon Ball Z, is an android who is hell-bent on destroying the world. Saiyan warriors Goku and his half-human son Gohan are the universe's only hope, yet they are still too weak to defeat him. So, they enter the hyperbolic time chamber. The hyperbolic time chamber is a tool in which one year inside the chamber is equivalent to one day on the outside, thus giving our father-son duo time to prepare for the battle. It's quite a complicated story, but I'm going to leave it there for the sake of time. <laughs> Anyway, as much as I hate to admit it, Dragon Ball Z, as far as we know, is fiction. In the real world, time is finite, and life moves forward. So I grew older, and I fell in love with my former girlfriend, and uh, she didn't think that my style of investing would lead to a manageable future for myself or those that I care about. And she was right, so I stopped. Now, I'm 30 years old, and I no longer trade leverage ETFs. I play Hearthstone. And seriously, I think it's ruining my life. For those of you not in the know, Hearthstone, technically called Hearthstone Heroes of Warcraft, is a free-to-play online collectible card video game developed and published by Blizzard Entertainment. Hearthstone builds upon the lore of the Warcraft franchise using characters, creatures, and relics from the series. The strategy in this game is quite, compl uh, it's quite complicated, and I think I've said enough time to really dive in. Yeah. 
Uh, there are a series of heroes, each with a, spe a special ability and 30 hit points. First one to zero hit points loses. Your cards cast minions onto a battlefield. And as the player, you must decide between defeating the minions or using your minions to do damage against the hero. As you can tell, this leads to complex deck building techniques that allow a vast range of gameplay styles. Within the game, you move up the ranks by defeating your enemies and reach elite status. But if you lose, you move down the ranks. And that's the problem. I am nowhere close to elite status. I'm not making any progress on moving up the ladder. I get to about level 17, the Tauren Warrior, and then lose my shirt all the way back to level 20, the Shield Bearer. And there's the thing, you can't get any lower than the Shield Bearer. That's, that's where you stop going backwards every time you lose. There is no risk at level 20. It's just ground zero, bottom of the barrel. And I've been playing for a year, still nowhere. I had so many sleepless nights planning my next move, acquiring the next card that will surely make my deck unbeatable. And I've tried every type of deck too. Everything from a hunter who will shoot off the face of his enemies, to the mage who will freeze the opposition in its tracks, to a warrior who slashes through the hordes of the undead. None of it is getting me anywhere. There I am, month after month, stuck at level 20. My wife, also known as my former girlfriend, Thinks that, <laughs> thinks that the time I've invested into this game isn't going to lead to a manageable future for myself or those I care about. And she's right, so I have to stop playing, because if there's anything that I've been all in on in my life, it's her. I hold her in higher regard than season three of Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, the album God Damn It by Alkaline Trio, and even season four of Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> Because without her, I would either be a playboy in the penthouse suite of the Trump Tower or bankrupt living in the gutter. Two places I never want to be. Right, thank you. Thank you, Patrick. This show is so mushy. Jeez, is everyone going to talk about people that they love and stuff? I love this show. I love you guys. You're all my boyfriends and girlfriends now. Deal with it. So Patrick is the head of a, a podcast network called Peaches and Hot Sauce. This next gentleman uh, uh, runs a couple of podcasts that are on that network, The Campaign and One Shot. He's a great dude. Also, you just finished or you're in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign that is, that, but it's already funded, called Noisy Person Cards, which is a, a game that helps you develop uh, voices for role-playing game characters. This is James D'Amato. Hey, thanks, everyone. Uh, I have a problem saying no to work. Uh, this can lead to some nightmarish situations. Uh, like, for instance, performing at a 10 a.m. show on a Saturday when my preferred weekend wake-up time is dying peacefully in my sleep. <laughs> These days, my typical work week is something like 60 to 70 hours. Uh, when I'm being reasonable, I have five podcasts that I'm directly responsible for and a handful more that I assist with, a day job, a, and now a weekly Twitch show. Watch us on Thursdays. Um, and, but I keep adding things. And this month, I'm managing a Kickstarter for a game that I designed. I'm traveling out of state twice. I'm performing at two live shows. This is one of them. I'm running games to celebrate the birthdays of a few fans and preparing for three conventions that I am doing next month. All because I hate opting out of new challenges. 
Now, I recognize that this sort of behavior is unhealthy. After all, I've told myself three years and five girlfriends ago that I wouldn't be able to keep it up much longer. <laughs> I have trouble letting things go by because I'm the sort of per I know what sort of person I am without that type of energy. I grew up with and live with ADD and dyslexia. Uh, they made school a nightmare. For me, ADD isn't too bad, uh, and there are times I actually appreciate how my brain works that way, but dyslexia is an endless, humiliating nightmare. It causes sufferers to reorder words and symbols and concepts between thought and tactile processes, meaning, for instance, that I can be thinking the word does and actually write the word dose and not notice until review. In many cases, it's possible for students with learning disabilities to apply themselves and compensate for their weaknesses with extra hard work. The problem is, in many ways, education is its own reward. The prize to learn about electron shelves is knowing about electron shelves, which I promise you is exactly as much fun as not knowing about electron shelves. <laughs> Imagine a far more existentially bleak version of Sisyphus, where he actually manages to roll his boulder up the hill, only to find that success is no more satisfying than failure. In my freshman year of high school, I discovered a defense mechanism that has haunted me ever since. And that's not trying. School was difficult. It always had been, and when I started asking myself why I was struggling, I couldn't find an answer. So I stopped caring. I knew I could do better, but I just didn't see the point. During this period, I had the good fortune to have several passionate teachers who took me aside and shouted at me for minutes on end. I had equal parts empathy and disdain for anyone who tried to get through to me. On the one hand, I understood that they cared, and that was a rare and precious thing. And on the other hand, who likes being shouted at? <laughs> Now, I recognize that those educators all played a part in my transition from a lazy slug person to a workaholic, but the real inspiration for me was, of course, former President George W. Bush. <laughs> Some of you might be failing to see the connection between one of our nation's worst presidents and my work ethic. See, growing up as a not-quite-straight and definitely liberal person in what was, at that time, a definitely red-shifted state, surrounded by a community of privileged people who benefited directly from Republican tax policies, there are very few people I hated quite as acutely as our former president. I would rail against him at every decision he made, at any opportunity. It was during one of my teacher's impassioned rants that everything clicked. Mrs. McKenzie violently spilled the contents from my backpack onto my desk to show me the disorganized mess of unanswered homework assignments and unread class handouts. She started her shouting with my, what might be the most important sentence I have ever heard in my life. While <clears throat> gesturing to a photo of the, the sitting president on the wall we had set up for the impending election, she told me, you can't beat that with this. And in that moment, everything made sense to me. It was definitely possible to drift through life without letting things impact you. 
chemical reactions will happen whether or not you appreciate the significance of electron shells. However, there are people who can and will take advantage of your absence. The knowledge that I bear responsibility for the success of my ideological rivals has driven me forward ever since. <laughs> Today, we are faced with a Republican candidate who stands a chance of being much more harmful than Bush. He is the product of a world that embraces populist movements built on hate and exclusion. And in my own beloved nerdy circles of comics and games, there are violent and spiteful individuals who don't think you should be allowed to enjoy yourself unless you are a white man. These people cannot be allowed to control the world that I love. If I have to be, if I have to spend every waking hour working to prevent their success, I'm in. You know what's so funny? Just this morning I was like, man, I have a show at 10 a.m., I have a show at 10.30 p.m., I have a show tomorrow at 7. Should I maybe, like, stop some of this? Nah, that's fine. Let's keep doing it, James. Me and you, baby. Yeah. So coming up next to the stage, we have the senior A&R rep for music dealers in, in Chicago. She works with some amazing talent and is also a very talented writer in her own right. This is Anna Marsh. So a few years ago, I got a phone call to come in for a job interview, but it wasn't just for any type of job, it was for my dream job in the music industry, the kind of job I didn't even tell anybody that I was ever even applying for because I never thought I was going to hear back from them. So when I got this phone call, I was floored by it, um, and I was also pretty nervous thinking about how much was going to be riding on this. So the first thing I did was call my dad who comes from a business background and I knew he would be really good at giving me different advice and different ways to prepare and stuff. So he even recommended a book that I could check out that would go over those different topics and stuff. So uh, I did a little prep for it and a few days later it came time for me to come in for my interview. And um, so I came in, met with some of the department heads and we sat down. Um, interview started off pretty normally, you know. I'm, telling them a little bit about myself and my background and my previous job history and things like that and was telling them about how passionate I've always been about music my whole life, which I'm sure is the most generic thing you can say when you're applying for an A&R position. But, you know, we're, we're going through those questions and um, they were asking those, like, typical um, just bad interview questions that are like, describe a time when you've experienced conflict in the workplace or something. I'm just like, oh, Jesus. I, don't know. I probably should have checked out that book that my dad told me about. Which I didn't but so we're going through that. And um, the next question he asked me was, now, how many members of the Wu-Tang Clan can you name? And I froze up from this, completely caught off guard. Like, did Wu-Tang really just come up in this conversation right now? Is, did this just happen? Did I just hallucinate this or something? And so I finally I was like, um, all of them? And he was like, okay, let's hear it then. So I started naming them. There is a Giselle, Dirty Bastard, Inspector Deck, You Got Ghostface, Method Man, Raekwon the Chef, Master Killer. And I even, uh, I even threw in Capadonna, who I referred to as the and sometimes why of the day. And so... <laughs> 
at this point, they're um, you know they're the ones staring at me, pretty speechless. And the guy dropped my resume and was just like, "How the hell do you know that?" Uh, which actually then led to me um, telling some stories about my brother and me growing up and all the ways we would go about acquiring parental advisory records that we weren't allowed to own and uh, how we would sit up in his room and he would teach me how to play chess and would quiz me on which of the different Wu-Tang members would be rapping in the different verses and stuff. So I was like a 10-year-old kid being like, that's, that's Raekwon, <laughs> that's Jizza. <laughs> And so at this point, we are all just cracking up, and we're all kind of sharing our own stories of our childhood and similar things, and just laughing hysterically at some of these ridiculous anecdotes from our, from our youth. And uh, so that was actually, that was about it for, for my interview. Um, and I walked out of there thinking, damn, I, I may have just nailed this. And it probably had a lot less to do with any of the advice my dad gave me and probably a lot more to do with some of the other types of lessons I learned from my brother growing up. But sure enough, uh, the next day I got a phone call and was offered the position, uh, which was also a really good thing too because I was throwing around this idea in my mind that if I didn't hear back from them, I was going to follow up and tell them that um, I'd be happy to recite the Wu-Tang's torture skit from them, which would have conveniently doubled as a pretty threatening sounding email. So luckily it didn't have to come to that. Um, but yeah, really from, from that point on, I realized that I was definitely venturing into the right career for me and the right industry for me. And then on top of it, I got to call my dad and tell him that I think some of those ridiculous antics that I pulled when I was a kid have finally paid off. <laughs> Anna Marsh, everybody. Thank you, Anna. So Music Dealers is hanging out uh, here at, the, at Lake Effects as part of uh, something like the help that they're giving to aspiring musicians. So if that suits you, maybe go find them. Don't ask Anna for unsolicited advice, but like solicited advice is, is great. Uh, coming up next to the stage, you saw her earlier up here. Now she's going to tell a story. This is Claire Friedman. Hey, Claire. Hey, I'm also doing two shows with Claire today, everybody. Yeah. We're, we're really going after it. I'm backstage just a few weeks ago. It's maybe two minutes before I have to walk out and perform. And my friend kneels down next to me and whispers, by the way, um, who's Claire Einstein? And I yelled, no! Loudly. <laughs> Probably at least part of the audience can hear me. And then I yelled, no, 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 no. And he goes, what? And I go, no. And he goes, we'll talk about it after the show. And I said, okay. And then we went and performed. Here's who Claire Einstein is. This is horrifying. Claire Einstein is a potential future of mine, because my name is Claire Friedman, and my boyfriend's name is Brad Einstein. And the, the Twitter account, Claire Einstein, was available. So I decided 
step back for a second. Let's go. Um, so I'm I'm a planner. I'm a planner. Uh, I'm a planner who lacks some social graces. Um, and uh, so, sure enough, I in 2007 got my Twitter account. And my Twitter name is C underscore Frieds, which is not even my last name. It's F-R-I-E-D-S. You can go follow me. But it's got an underscore in it, which is so annoying because Claire Friedman is taken, C Friedman is taken, C Frieds is taken. Uh, C Friedman in particular is this girl named Chelsea Einstein, or Chelsea, I'm sorry, whoa. Chelsea Friedman, who, uh, when I asked for her Twitter account because she hadn't used it for five years, sent me a very mean message. Um, I believe she's 19 at this point, um, which means she was probably 16 at the time. Uh, and so I, I knew that, like, oh, okay, you know, this is out in the ether. And I just happened to one day at work be talking to my best friend who got married, changed her name, didn't get her preferred Twitter handle or email. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? I wonder if I should just reserve this. No one will ever know. It'll be a secret just for me. Um... And it was available. It just happened. I had known it was available for months. I need to admit this. And I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna pull this trigger. I'm gonna pull it. I'm just gonna sit on it. I registered. Uh, you can't register a Twitter account to more than one to the same email address. Um, so that account is registered to my email plus because you can add a plus in Gmail and it and it changes it, but it, it in the database, but it still goes to you. So I, cha- I cha- sent it to my email, plus crazylady at gmail.com. It's the explicit thing it's registered to. Twitter has gotten smarter. So I did that, and I wrote the single tweet, ha, 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 I got it. And Twitter emailed all my contacts. <laughs> And so when my dear friend Joe came to me backstage and said, who is Claire Einstein? It is because he had gotten an email saying, your friend Claire Einstein is on Twitter. And sure enough, I finished the show, I opened that account, and three other friends have tweeted at me, what is this, what's going on? So, at this point, my life is ruined. (laughs) I am not engaged, I am not married, and I have to tell my boyfriend. (laughs) All of our friends think that they just found out about an engagement via Twitter. (laughs) So I go up to him and I say, hey honey, I have a really funny story for you. It's so funny, I'm so embarrassed. Here's the thing. I registered the Twitter account Claire Einstein. And he goes, what? And I go, I know. And he's like, why did you do this when people are over? (laughs) And I was like, I thought our friends would think it was funny too. And our roommate Kate goes, no. (laughs) And he goes, let's go talk about this. And I'm like, great. (laughs) 
uh, and I go, hey, so I registered it. I didn't think, but everybody got this email. Joe told me backstage before a show, and he goes, okay, this is fine. You know what? It's very flattering. It's very sweet. You didn't have to keep it a secret. And I was like, but I did from everyone. <laughs> and he goes, it's going to be okay, but just so you know, you're a fucking dumbass. <laughs> and I go, I know. And I still have that Twitter account. And I'm going to sit on it. I'm going to keep it just in case. So I have my preferred handle. <laughs> I tried to get the email. It's already taken. Um, and now two people follow that precious account. My friend Joe. And the last person I slept with before my boyfriend. Thank you. Thank you, Claire Friedman. Dash Einstein. That was horrifying and amazing. Oh my gosh, guys, we have one more storyteller today, then we're going to close it out with another song. This gentleman is, is one of the head designers for Cards Against Humanity and Black Box, also an all-star storyteller, has done some amazing stuff on this stage. I can't wait to hear what Henry Birdseye has to say. Oh, he's got, a, he's got props? I got a prop. Yeah, props. Yeah, we're going to make this work. Uh, hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for coming out this morning. Ooh, okay. So, uh, about two years ago this month, I got out of a nine-year relationship, and I found myself dating as a, as a single man for the first time, really, ever. Like, it was horrifying. And I found that, in general, with dating, things always feel good but not great. It takes a lot for me to be like, yeah, let's do this with someone. And, and that's, a, that's like a weird feeling, just feeling like kind of like shruggy all the time. And when I do find someone I like, they usually have uh, a passion and that resonates with me and that feels good. You can feel that they are passionate about something and I'm into that. And it takes a lot for me to be like, yeah, I'm in, let's do this. And when I do feel that way, I usually find myself buying um, a gift of some sort for someone I am into. And then every time I have done this, that person has ended things with me before I could give them the gift. So I'm now going to tell you the three gifts I have bought for women that never received the gifts. Uh, so we're going to start with uh, the most reasonable one and move toward, and then the final one, I misread everything entirely and I should not have bought the thing. Uh, these are all low cost. I'm not like, hey, I noticed you like birds, so I bought you a helicopter so you can be up with them. It's always just... These are inexpensive, I think, somewhat reasonable things to buy for people. So, first thing, I went out with a girl, her name was uh, Jenny. She was way into comedy. She went through the Second City sketch writing program. I did that too. She was dabbling in stand-up. I was thinking about that too. Uh, right before our first date, she interviewed Hannibal Burris for uh, a publication she wrote for. I thought that was so cool. I was so into that. And we would talk about comedy, and she would say, uh, oh, I haven't seen that thing you're talking about. I would say, oh, you totally should. And so... I am a nerd, and I thought, you know what would be a good gift for her? Would be an Amazon Fire Stick. Those of you who don't know, an Amazon Fire Stick is a $40 HDMI device you plug into your TV, uh, and it runs Android, so you can modify it. So I'm kind of admitting to a soft crime here, but if you modify it, you can stream anything right to your TV. It's there. Um, watch anything you want. I thought this would be a good thing for her, because if she wants to really get into comedy, this is a really good way for her to do that. And so I bought this Amazon Fire Stick. We've been seeing each other for about two months now. 
we were not seeing other people, which was a big deal for me, who I'm generally just a kissing monster. So it was great to just be seeing one person. And, and so uh, I'm like, we're exclusive. This is nice. Um, I ask her, like, finally, I'm just like, so, like, what are you, like, looking for? And she goes, ooh, yeah, I'm in kind of a transitional period right now. And I said, what, what, what do you mean by that? And she goes, well, like, I was just in, like, a long thing. And I was like, I get it. I totally get it. Me too. I was also in a long thing. And she goes, yeah, but, like, I'm also, like, looking for jobs that aren't in Chicago. And I'm just, like, leaving. And I was like, oh, Okay, and then we slowly stopped talking to each other, and I had an Amazon Fire Stick on my dining room table for a few months. Uh, second gift. Uh, I went out with a woman named Sally, and uh, she, I got the feeling, was always pretty cool. She was like a varsity cheerleader. She has a cool marketing job. She wasn't a nerd, but she was nerd curious. Uh, when we started seeing each other, she had recently decided that she was going to watch every episode of The Twilight Zone. Uh, I thought that was great. I thought and she didn't know about, like, she wasn't into video games, she wasn't into comic books, she wasn't into a lot of the traditionally nerdy things, but she seemed open to them. As we talked about that, I was like, great. And she, she had a pug, and I, I mentioned comics to her. She's like, yeah, those seem cool. So I, I bought um, the first issue of a comic called Battle Pug, and it's about a barbarian that rides a big, docile pug, and I'm like, this is perfect. This is going to be such a cool thing. I think she'll like it. And then, uh, and then, this is like four dates in, but I was just like, so sure, like this is going to be great. And then she slowly stopped responding to, to, to texts. And then at one point she's just like, hey, I don't know if you noticed, but I was kind of ghosting you. I was like, ghosting you, or ghosting, for those of you who don't know, is a, is a, is a spooky thing that single people do to each other when they stop talking. <laughs> so... She was like, I was ghosting you. I was like, well, you're not supposed to say that, but okay. And, uh, and she's like, yeah, here's, here's like a thing I do. I don't like to see people after a fourth date. That way nobody gets feelings. And that gave me feelings. That was a very upsetting thing to hear. Uh, and then that was that. Then I had the battle pug next to the Amazon fire stick. And uh, that's just, I, I now had two gifts I had not given. Um, the third gift... <clears throat> Was, uh, it was probably um, the stupidest thing to buy. Uh, this was for uh, a woman who, in her OkCupid okay profile, there were two things that stuck out to me. One, she enjoyed the show, The Adventures of Pete and Pete on Nickelodeon. I love that show growing up. It's a very good show. It's about uh, growing up in suburban America and maintaining a childlike sense of wonder and adventure, and it's just like a really good show. And she was way into it. I'm like, this is great. Um, so we had ourselves a first date. We watched The Adventures of Pete and Pete. There was a little bit of kissing. I went home and I thought that was so much fun. Um, I should mention the second thing in her OkCupid okay profile. She mentioned the video game character Mega Man three times, which is more than most women mention Mega Man in their OkCupid okay profile, which is zero times. I thought that was cool. She's like, I think about Mega Man all the time. What's he doing? What's he thinking? Mega Man, for those of you who don't know, is, is a boy robot who wears a blue helmet and one of his arms is a gun and, and he shoots robots. And I thought that was so cool and she th I was like, that's great. So after our first date, I don't know what was wrong with me, but uh, I, I Amazon Primes myself an expensive Mega Man costume, which I'm now going to put on real quick. And uh, yeah, I know, we're making mistakes. So I bought this Mega Man costume and then I was like, you know, uh, what would be a smart move for me is if I sent her 
uh, a photo of me wearing the Mega Man costume where I'm like, hey, you know what would be, look what I bought. Isn't this fun? Isn't this a fun thing that I bought? Because you, you, love, you love him. And I'm wearing his, I'm, wear, I'm him now. How, how, um, this is what she said. Nothing. She didn't reply. That was the end of it. That was the end of the conversation entirely. It was the last thing I sent her was like me shrugging in a mirror wearing a Mega Man costume. And I was like, oh, this was, this was ill-advised. Um, so now, now I just don't buy gifts. I'm just like, you know what? If I do buy a thing for someone I like to help them explore their passions, it probably means they're about to stop talking to me. So I just don't do that. But I need to continue moving forward thinking that and just have the patience that some Someday I will find someone who has a passion I like, and if I do buy them something, that uh, they won't leave before I can give it to them. And uh, that's the best I can do. Uh, thanks. Thank you, Mega Man. Henry Birdseye, everybody. Oh my gosh. So great. Henry, you are, you are a magical person. Henry, I really like birds, by the way. You want to hook me up with that helicopter? Yeah, please? Oh my god, Henry, I love you. All right, uh, Jim, Claire, come on back up. We're going to close this out with one more song. I guess I'll forgo the bit introduction again. This is just a really good you song. Can, Eric, I can do it? It's your last one. Uh, okay, I don't, I don't know how to set this one up, actually. So I guess the character is, uh, is Neil Young rocking, and he's in the free world. See, it's a great bit, I told you all. You all are on board. Comedy. No one's on board. It's colors on the street Red, white, and blue People shuffling their feet People sleeping in their shoes But there's a warning sign on the road ahead There's lots of people saying we'd be better off dead Don't feel like Satan, but I am to them So I try to forget it any way I can People
Your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you enjoy your stories, you might also enjoy your Chicago. Twice a month, hosts Stefania and Arden chat with the folks who make Chicago's legendary food, keep our streets safe, star in our shows, organize our festivals, play our unique music, and more. For more information, go to yourchicagopodcast.com. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.